0: Ecclesia is a new church trying to live out the way of Jesus in Princeton, New Jersey. We pray this teaching invites you to love Jesus and people more deeply and to embrace the full life that Jesus offers each one of us. Grace and peace to you. Well, my sermon today is called Where There's a Word, There's a Way. You know, so often in our culture, The focus is on the will. If you can just muster up enough energy or enough strength or enough vision, then you can make something happen. But the vision of the biblical story is quite inverse to this kind of thinking. The vision of the biblical story invites us To first hear the word of God, to see what he might be doing in the world, and then to attach our wills to that. And as we're in this, the last week of Advent, in our teaching series, The Next Right Thing, we want to focus on what perhaps is the most effective, the most important aspect of doing God's will, of doing the next right thing. And that is in hearing his word and then attaching our will to it. In the story that we read today, God sends the angel Gabriel to Mary. And there's this incredible continuity in the story that's been unfolding long before Jesus showed up on the scene as a small baby. Gabriel appears in the biblical book of Daniel. And in featuring the angel Gabriel, there's a witness to the heavenly, eternal nature of what is going to transpire here. This is a part of a plan that has been unfolding over the course of human history. And because it is an angel sent by God, the initiative is completely on the part of God. Gabriel, turning to Mary, offers his warm words of greeting. And the word is not simply like, hello, or how are you? It's the word that is full of blessing. Elsewhere, the word is translated as rejoicing. This word brims with abundance and well-wishing. Gabriel announces the stunning truth to Mary. The Lord is with you. This is what heaven has to say to earth from the very outset. God turns his face towards us and he says, blessing. The angel turns towards Mary and he says the gospel truth. The Lord is with you. And the text tells us that Mary is perplexed. She doesn't speak, but she tries to understand the situation, just exactly what is going on here. And the angel tells Mary, Do not be afraid, for you have found favor with God. The whole initial sequence of Gabriel's conversation is so rich with joy and grace and possibility. Look again at what what Gabriel says to Mary. Warm wishes. The Lord is with you. Don't be afraid. Ecclesia, this is God's disposition towards us. Blessing, presence, comfort, favor. Mary is almost overwhelmed by the sum of these words. And it's only when Gabriel announces even more perplexing truths that she finds her bearings in her own words. The text tells us that Gabriel goes on. And now, Gabriel said... You will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be called Great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give to him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. In 2 Samuel chapter 7, earlier in the biblical story, David, the king, decides that he wants to build God a temple, a house that will reflect the greatness of his name, and he tells his friend, the prophet Nathan, of his plans, and Nathan tells David, do whatever you have designed to do. But after this conversation, God appears to Nathan in the night and says to him, essentially, I don't need David to build me a house. Your son... Solomon will build a house for my name. But God instead, instead of asking David to do something for him, promises David that I will build you a house. 2 Samuel chapter 7 verse 15 says, Your house and your kingdom shall be made sure forever before me. Your throne shall be established forever and the promise of a ruler like David was deeply ingrained in the hope of the people of Israel, whom Mary was a part of. The Jewish people, in Mary's day, lived under occupied rule. They're subjects of the Roman government, allowed to carry forth their religious traditions, as long as they don't bother anybody. But, but they're completely dominated by taxation and Roman rule. Their collective hope, very broadly, is that God will fulfill this promise that he offered to David that we read in 2 Samuel chapter 7, that a king like David will emerge. And what's more, the temple had already been rebuilt by Herod the Great in the last 10 to 15 years. The house of God had been erected once more, and though many felt as though proper worship still needed to be restored to the temple, this created a fervor and a sense that the Messiah, the Son of God, the King like David, might indeed be coming soon. The people in Mary's day long for the king, who will reform the temple fully, will defeat the Romans. And Gabriel, it would seem, is announcing exactly this kind of king to Mary, the one who will sit on the throne of David the one who will reign in his stead. It seems that this is the promise that Mary is receiving. And it's hard for us to fathom the stunning, huge narratives that are colliding on Mary in this exact moment. She's talking to a literal angel. God's plans are being announced to her, and they are plans of ancient significance, kingdoms, and rulers being revealed in this small backwater town. And Mary's faith in God is such that she doesn't even question the fact that God can do all of these things. He, she doesn't question that God can do what he promised. Rather, she only has one question. How will I take part in this? You see, Gabriel announces to Mary that she will bear a son, and Mary knows what she's been through in life. She knows of uh, the things that she's done, and she says, well, that's not really possible, for I am a virgin. And Mary's question to me, reveals not doubt. It's not that she has believed God up to this point, and now all of a sudden she's like, wait, how is that going to happen? No, Mary's question reveals eagerness. She longs not only for these promises to be made true, to be made known in her day, but she longs to take part in their unfolding. But she sees a hindrance in the plan. How is she going to be pregnant? And so she asks the angel, how can this be? And Mary, unlike so many in the Bible, responds with willingness and faith. The Christmas message is a message of wonder, is a message of newness, but often we as a people, even when we are encountering the things of God, we default to the status quo and to fear. You think about the children of Israel, after they had been liberated from Egypt, they had literally seen God part the waters. They had walked across the Red Sea on dry land. And just a few weeks later, when it seems like their existence might be in peril, when it seems like there may not be enough to eat, they look back to Egypt when they were slaves longingly, and they said, at least there, where we were slaves, we had pots full of meat to eat. It's so easy for us to to default to the status quo. It's It's so easy for us to default to what we know. And the first question that we are met with in this story as we see the conversation between Mary and Gabriel is do we want to be a part of God changing the world? Do we want to be a part of what God is doing in the world? Is our desire to be on the inside of God's redemptive plans... Mary's response to God is, oh, I want to be a part of that. But only one question, minor question, how? There's a beautiful interplay at work here. First, the initiative is completely with God. Again, it's not where there's a will, there's a way. Where there's a word, there's a way. God sends the angel to Mary, Gabriel, to announce his plans. And in response to this gospel word, Mary's wish, her desires, is to be part of it. Her desires are conformed to what God is doing in the world. And then, only then, does God give her the first glimpses of the way forward, of what it will look like for Mary to take part in this story. And it looks something like this. First, we receive a word. God's word. His word that will not return void. His word that will not fail. His word of blessing. His word of comfort. His word of presence. His word of salvation. We receive that word. Then, we attach our wills. We say, yes, Lord. We want that to be true. There's something in our souls that sings out. Could that be true of the world? Could that be true for me? And then... And only then, often, are we invited to take small steps in the way. But here's the thing. So many of us get stuck on the way before the will. We hear this beautiful story of the gospel. We know that it's big enough to give our lives to. We know we we want everybody we know to be a part of this. But then we start thinking about all the logistics, all of the reasons that, oh yeah, it's so good, it's so true, but It's kind of for other people. Other people are doing the work, or other people are experiencing God. We think that God could not use us because we are unqualified, or because of our past, or because we can't even figure out the way to start walking. We think about all the inconveniences and what it might cost us in terms of comfort or freedom. But notice, when we read the story, that's not Mary's starting point. Mary's starting point is a will a wish, and then she asks the question of how, and she receives the answer. Mary said to the angel, the text says, how can this be since I'm a virgin? And then in verse 35, the angel said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be holy. He will be called Son of God. At this point, thus far in the biblical story, When the Holy Spirit comes upon a person, it is because they have been chosen by God to accomplish a unique task. After the resurrection of Jesus at Pentecost in Acts chapter 2, we'll see that the Spirit of God has been poured out on not just one specific person, but on the entire church. The Spirit of God is available in unlimited quantities. It is available because God has given us His mission to go and to proclaim to all nations the reality of Jesus as Messiah, as the one who has come to us. And Jesus' promise in the midst of that is that He will come and He will make His home with us, that He will never leave us or forsake us, that He will be with us every step of the way. And what we see in Mary's story is that the Holy Spirit makes a way for us to participate in God's redemption of all things. The Holy Spirit coming into our lives, the Holy Spirit having sway over our wills and over our choices, is our way of participating in God's proclaimed and promised word. And the image of Mary here is deeply profound, and it's a beautiful vision for our lives. The Spirit of God comes upon her, obviously in a way unique to Mary, unrepeated throughout history. She is the God-bearer, the one who bears the Incarnate God, the one who will walk among us. but her life, for us as disciples, is a vision of what God does spiritually in our lives, deeply forming His life in us so that out of our life with Him, we can bless the world. And a pregnancy, as I've observed, takes time. There is development, there is pain, there is discomfort. And this is what God is wanting to do in us, patiently and faithfully, in and through us. What comes from Mary's deep life with God is holiness. it is filled with power. It is filled with potential. But it costs Mary dearly. Not only is there the pain and discomfort of carrying a child, there is the social isolation. Imagine Mary telling her story to those around her. No, no, really, an angel appeared to me and told me that I was going to be pregnant by the power of the Holy Spirit. Mary's culture was one where pregnancy out of wedlock was deeply shameful. And we see it elsewhere that her fiancé, Joseph, finds out what's going on. He finds out she's pregnant. He doesn't really know how that happened, at least until an angel comes to him. And he just makes plans to quietly break off the engagement. And it's very likely that most people in Mary's orbit thought she had broken her commitment to Joseph, messed around, and gotten herself pregnant, and that she would have been socially ostracized because of it. Mary carries physical and social pain, but she knows that she is called by God. Her will is undaunted because she has received a word from God and He is making a way. Judy Wu Dominic, in reflecting on Mary's response, says, Mary's response to God is almost universally praised, but too often, The burdensome and gritty aspects of her carrying such a hefty responsibility as a woman are missed or overlooked. There are indications in the gospel that Mary became, by virtue of her extraordinary and isolating circumstances, a contemplative who treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. She's an inspiration to all, male or female, who carry heavy, invisible burdens while following God's call on their lives. And as a final witness to the calling of God, the angel tells Mary that her relative Elizabeth, who was thought long beyond the possibility of having children, will also have a son. Look in verse 36. And now your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month for her who is said to be barren. Elizabeth, Mary's relative, would soon give birth to John the Baptist, The one who would prepare the way in Israel for the ministry of Jesus. And Mary, when she finds this out, goes to visit Elizabeth during both of their pregnancies. And it says that the baby in Elizabeth's womb leaps for joy at the proximity to the baby that's now in Mary's womb. And it's just like our God. That the first witness to the coming Messiah, the first witness to the new world that was breaking forth right in the midst of this one would be a baby in a womb. And then the angel concludes this encounter with Mary here in Luke 1 in verse 37. For nothing will be impossible with God. Nothing will be impossible with God. There is nothing that can stand in the way of salvation, not in Israel's history, not the fact that Sarah and Abraham had aged bodies and yet they were promised a child, not Joseph's imprisonment in Egypt, not Moses wandering in the wilderness as an exile and a fugitive, not the Red Sea, not the exile, not the people's sins, not in the present, not Elizabeth's aged body, not the fact that Mary is a virgin, not Herod's brutal and violent response to the announcement of a coming king, and not in the future of this child this child who is to be born not the cross not the grave not height nor depth angels or demons life or death nothing is impossible with our God and nothing will stop him from coming to us and making a way for us this is God's word to us Nothing will be impossible. No person too far gone. No life beyond redemption. Nothing is impossible. And Ecclesia, as we move towards this Christmas day, I want to challenge you anew to be astonished by the wonder of Christmas. God, in all His holiness, all of His power coming to us, the one who made the world stepping within space and time, entrusting himself in vulnerability as a baby to a young woman and man, God incarnate. We cannot afford to become numbed by familiarity of the sheer magic and the wonder of Christmas. And here's the beauty of this moment. God's announcement that he will come to us, holds true. And it is also an invitation, an invitation to offer, just as Mary does, our lives, our bodies, our hearts, our soul, and our strength, as a yes and amen to the gospel. Look at what Mary says. Look at how she responds to this announcement in verse 38 of Luke 1. It says, Then Mary said, Here am I, the servant of the Lord. Let it be with me according to your word. Then the angel departed from her. Let it be with me according to your word. Mary echoes the announcement of this gospel story that God will be God with us with an amen and a hallelujah as she says yes to God. God's word has gone forth. Mary eagerly and urgently desires to be a part of God's redemption for the whole world, but she doesn't see a way and the Holy Spirit makes a way. Ecclesia, I don't know where you are this morning. Maybe you can identify with Mary's physical and social pain. Maybe you feel forgotten and listless in the world. Maybe feel, you feel like your past means you have no future. Maybe your relationships are strained. Maybe you're feeling isolated and alone. Can I just invite you, Ecclesia, to hear again the angel's greetings to Mary, greetings favored one. God is not the God who is the sum of your worst actions, your worst thoughts about yourself. God is the God of love, of holiness, of redemption. Nothing is impossible with God. What if this Advent season God is coming to you anew and he's saying, Believe my word. Trust in my salvation. There is no life that God cannot redeem, no story that he cannot renew, because nothing is impossible with God. Perhaps God is calling you to believe that the gift that he gives The gift of His Son, Jesus in His life, His sacrificial death on a cross and His resurrection is not just a story that happened, but it is a story that happens and it is your story. Nothing is impossible with God. Even for God to come and make a way in the midst of your life, in the midst of my life, He comes to us. This is the message of Christmas. Perhaps you're like Mary, you've heard this beautiful word, this Christmas word, the story of God's redemption, His salvation, His presence, and you say, I want to be a part of that. I want to do something with my life that sings of the story, but I, I just don't know how. Maybe the Spirit of God is wanting to come upon you afresh, to overshadow you, and to show you the ways that He's calling you to walk with Him in faith. Maybe you need to echo Mary's final amen and offer your life saying, Here am I, the servant of the Lord. Let it be with me according to your word. Ecclesia, you may not fully realize what you are stepping into or what you're saying yes to, but it starts, again, not with our will, not with us mustering up the energy, but with us hearing this word, God's word, and us joining our will to that beautiful truth. God will make a way when we say yes to Him. Where there is a word, there is a way. Nothing is impossible with God. And wherever you find yourself, I pray that you will hear the message of Christmas anew: God coming to us, God saving us, God with us. And I pray that we would be a people who say yes to that beautiful word. Let us pray together. I'm going to invite you just to repeat this simple phrase that Mary offers as a, as a response to God's amazing gospel word: "Here am I, the servant of the Lord." Let it be with me according to your word. Would you say that with me? Here am I, the servant of the Lord. Let it be with me according to your word. Let that be true of us as a people, as we respond to God's incredible word. Where there is a word, there is a way. Grace and peace to you. Thank you for listening to our podcast. For more information, please visit www.ekklesianj.com.